Our third lesson, so beautifully chanted by our choir, is from Philippians, the second chapter, verses 5 through 11. Listen again as we hear the word of God. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Creator. Here ends our reading. As stories are passed on, they never remain the same and often become incoherent years later like a dream with snippets attempted to be sewn together to shed light on potential connections to here and now. So what is Palm Sunday? What is this parade we just partook in? Is it a statement about Jesus' divinity? Is it a celebration? A culmination of years of waiting for the Anointed One to come? And who are these crowds of people? Are they really unintelligent sheep? A fickle mob? Maybe. I was practicing forgiveness toward these crowds when I was handed an old friend, a book by John Dominic Crossan, God and Empire. The sprightly Irish-American reminds us that there were two processions that week of Passover when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Each Passover, the Jewish people made pilgrimage to Jerusalem as they remembered their freedom from Egyptian bondage. You might imagine, after walking the story of freedom, there were inevitably some people so inspired by this inheritance that the pilgrimage became their moment to rise up, to push back against the oppressors of their day. The, the Romans grew to expect this, and each year sent in reinforcements to Jerusalem, quick to put any troublemakers to death in order to keep the peace. So imagine, Riding in from the west, the chariots, the golden eagles carried in on poles, the war horses, armor, and weapons of battle, the sounds of marching feet, the creak of chariots' wheels, and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, the imperial procession has arrived. 
and not terribly concerned about regarding equality with the gods as something exploitative. So Jesus pulls a couple of boys aside and says, go untie that donkey colt around the corner and bring it to me. And they do. Jesus gets himself situated atop this humble, untrained animal and makes his entry from the east. The crowd sees this, fully versed in the stories of their ancestors and the king that would ride in on a donkey bringing the people true peace. They join in on the theater unfolding, gathering palm branches, shouting, Hosanna, save us! Not to the imperial procession, not to Pontius Pilate, but to this man riding a donkey. It's as if they were standing with the man in front of the military tanks in Tiananmen Square. It's as if they were standing with Tommy Smith and John Carlos on the Olympic podium, fists raised skyward. The community gathered in prophetic protest. And this is what kicks off our holy week. A spirit of rising, like a plant that is made to find its way upward and breaks through concrete trying. A spirit of listening to the incongruencies, not pushing them aside in order to make nice. A spirit of honoring what is true for you. When I see the crowd with this lens, the intelligence and humanity of the crowd return, a narrative I missed before. A few years ago, I was taking a class on the Berkeley campus of the Graduate Theological Union. It was a Jewish studies course about place and memory, among other things. Part of the work we were required to do was to make reflection entries in response to readings, a way to encourage us to complete our readings, no doubt. <laughs> and then we were meant to read and respond to one another's reflections. The day of the deadline, a flurry of email notifications of new entries would fill my inbox, and one has stayed with me. On his way to critiquing an author, one of the students began replaying an interaction that left him quite upset earlier that semester. He says, on his way home to his partner and his baby, he stopped by a sandwich shop to get a couple of subs. When he was handed his sandwiches, he realized they were twice the size he was expecting. No matter, he thought. He walked out and was met by a woman experiencing homelessness. She told him he, she was hungry and asked if he would get her something to eat. He offered half of his sandwich and proceeded to break the sandwich in half when she responded, well, what kind is it? Disturbed that his generosity was met with anything but overwhelming gratitude, he became irritated, but he told her what it was. She responded, well, I'm going to need some napkins. <laughs> His irritation spilling over 
His moment of generosity turning into resentment, he yelled, do you want the sandwich or not? And capped this off with a series of expletives. When I read this story, I couldn't believe he was a seminarian. <laughs> and in Berkeley, to boot, there were no written responses. <laughs> As we gathered for class, I anticipated whether anything would be said. The professor, clearly a friend to confrontation, noted with a smile to the student that he seemed particularly energized in his response that week. After a refreshingly honest and layered conversation, the professor, who had also known homelessness, reflected that she appreciated that the way this student treated this woman as an equal in his willingness to be openly angry with her. Was he seeing her as a fellow human being? And the crowd, with their palm branches, were they making human the imperial rulers? Where was the crowd's humanity? Where was their integrity? when it came to Jesus' arrest and the lost opportunity for him to be released. The great John Dominic Crossan has more to say on that front. There was a tradition that the people could request one person to be granted amnesty over Passover. Of course, there were likely a great number arrested for rising up against those in power, or for insurrection, the now infamous Barabbas being one of them. As the story is retold over time, the angle changes. The players and the motives shift. Crossan notes, as you move from Mark through Matthew and Luke into John, the number and purpose of the crowd changes drastically before your eyes. From crowd to crowds, to the people as a whole, to the Jews. In Mark, a small delegation comes forward requesting that Barabbas be freed, for he was their hero. As Crossan imagines, he was the Jewish version of the Scottish anti-imperialist Braveheart, or the American anti-imperialist the Patriot. Though it would behoove Pilate to free Jesus instead, as he was nonviolent and less of a threat, the crowd rejects Pilate's alternative. They demand their brave heart, Barabbas, be freed. In the story, Crossan notes, there is no evidence that they know or even care about Jesus, except as a present threat to the freedom of Barabbas. We'll see a different version of this in our Lucan version later. As we move to Luke, the crowd comes up against Jesus instead of for Barabbas. There is a, quote, increase in the size of the Friday crowd 
and a steady change in their primary purpose from pro-Barabbas to anti-Jesus. This is the nature of retelling stories. Our own time and perspective change them. Old versions get intermingled with new ones. Cross and freeze me to imagine that the crowd was bold. The people having walked a long pilgrimage were determined not fickle. They stood with Jesus in prophetic protest. They stood with Barabbas, who also rose against empire. And when Jesus is put to death on the cross, I am freed now to imagine the people's humanity, to imagine their profound sorrow, to imagine them on bended knee in honor of him. I am freed to recall that instead of making it their fault for the empire's decision to put them to death, it was the empire's. I am free to recall that they didn't let his story die, and his rising would become the protest beyond all protests. I am free to take my place alongside them, unwilling to be silenced by his death. I am free to say, lift high the cross.